Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. We are excited to be joining you today. It is, what is today? Today is February the 25th. Our month on the theme of love is continuing. Um, this episode, we're going to dive into some of the ideas by Bell Hooks in her uh, book, all about love, which we are super excited about. And uh, Sonia, um, we're chilling here, still February, surprisingly, but it's ending quickly. Um, I know. Weather here in Atlanta is nice and warm. I'm back in Atlanta. Um, so yeah, how, how are you? Are you glad I'm home? <laughs> yes, I'm glad you're home, Lacey. Um, oh, so excited that you're here. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful outside. Um, and I'm appreciating this because I hear it's rainy next week, but today is gorgeous. So whoever lives in Atlanta, go out on the Beltline, go to a park, go somewhere. Um, yeah. But what I'm very excited about that I wanted to tell our viewers is March 5th. We are going to have on the author, Amelia Pang of Made in China, mm-hmm. an awesome book that Newsweek called um, one of this year's most anticipated books. And I read it, Lacey. It's great. Yeah. Uh, the theme of this book is she tells the story. It's basically about the hidden um, costs of our consumption. Mm. As you can tell by the title, most of the products we get are ex- imported from China. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a story about a person and how this individual is in a labor camp. But, but the end part of that story is how we consume and consume. And this is what's driving these camps. And so it's going to be exciting to have her on and talk about this and that's cool. Just open the discussion up to everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that ties super in super well with our episode, our past episode, I believe it was 13 or 14 on sane consumption. Yes. Eric Frome talks about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I've learned a lot and, uh, I think it's empowering to know what we as individuals can do, how, how we choose to live our life. Mm. Rethink our consumption. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. So we may learn a little bit from her on what we can do to kind of help, even though this is, it seems, a systemic issue. Absolutely. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, that'll be fun. That's uh, Amelia Pang on March uh, 5th at 1 p.m. Mm. Eastern time. That'll be a, a live Rethinking Humanity interviews um so yeah Sonia I'm excited about that and we're like excited for the work that she's done because that's pretty amazing the journalism that she did it's it's really challenging you you read the stories of how it's difficult to go into China and uncover this information it's been happening for years so it's just it's fascinating and we're excited that she's joining us that day it's awesome yeah that's gonna be amazing well, Lacey, um, we are so happy you're here, but let's tell everybody how, you, how you're how you not able to go out as much as all the rest of us and enjoy this beautiful weather. Well, I was excited to get home, but <laughs> I took a test Friday morning after I got back. That was negative. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm pretty cool. You know, whatever. Wait, wait, wait. What kind of test did you take? Oh, oh, sorry. A, a, a coronavirus test. <laughs> okay. That's important. Okay. Yeah. That's- and then I started to get a little bit of cough, a little bit of headache. And I was like, hmm. And then it, it 
lingered for another day and I was like, I'm going to go get another test just to be sure. And of course I'm freaking tested positive. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, what's so funny about that too is like, here we are talking about it. I tested positive and we have like talked about, you know, coronavirus so much at the beginning of when we started the podcast and like not wanting to get it and being locked in because of it. So I think it's kind of funny in a way um, that I got it. Uh, but at the same time, I think because of how we handle things, there's a lot of people who are going to get this. So, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, yeah, I think I mentioned that to you. I think the reality is that all of us have the potential, well, of course, to be exposed no matter, we need to be careful. I know you've been awesome with the social distancing and hand washing and the mask wearing, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's very prevalent. So the likelihood is, is we can, we can get it. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, I think we do really need to live our lives um, and, and still do the distancing, do the masking and all that. But, you know, I don't think we need to just lock ourselves in in the house. So as far as my symptoms right now, I'm I'm okay. I mean, it's really mild. I believe I, I have some lower back pain. Um, I've had some pressure in my chest, which is a little bit scary because you know, I don't, it's early. I'm like day four or something now. And so, um, you know, like, I don't want to see that trick, you know, get to worse, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That part's a little scary, but otherwise, you know, headache and sinus pressure, it just feels like I have a cold. I feel crummy, like a cold, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, um, but no, I've been like, you know, walk around the neighborhood wearing a mask, of course, um, this morning, just get being outside is helpful. And the fact that it's warm and sunny today is helpful. Sure. Trying to keep the balance, reading a little bit. And of course we wanted, I still wanted to bring you guys content. So here we are. I'm recording, even though I have COVID. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you're here, even though you have COVID. (laughs) We we want you to take care of yourself, but um, I'm glad you were able to find the enthusiasm and energy to join us here today. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy uh, to, and I hope you all enjoy it, even if you can hear congestion in my nose. <laughs> so, um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So our uh, month on the theme of love continues. Like I mentioned earlier, we are talking about um, some of the themes that are present in Bell Hook's book, All About Love. And um, Sonia is going to kind of help us like lead us in the dive into this this is a book we both read what like a year ago last fall yeah. it's Sorry. been a while yeah it's been a while we, we both love this book and yeah. highly recommend it by the way um absolutely yeah so i'm going to show everybody a copy oh that's right i don't know <laughs> if they're going to see this but irrelevant it's all about love on bell hooks i definitely say go out and get it and read it and we're just going to talk today about a portion of it, not the whole book, but I think um, what I love about Bill Hooks is she actually even refers to Eric Fromm, who Lacey Ooh. and I, of course, absolutely love um, in her book. And I want to talk about the first part of this where she talks about the theme that as a society, we're embarrassed by love. Mm-hmm. And I think we're confused about what we mean when we use the word love. And the problem there is that we don't have a commonly held understanding. And I think you and I touched upon this in our previous episode, because you asked me, Sonia, mm-hmm. what do you think about when you think about love? And I gave you right. one definition and then right. you gave another, which by the way, was awesome. But 
I think it's really interesting how that word conjures up different thoughts for different people. And I also think that um, the important thing is, yeah, that we do start to think of love more as an active word than a passive word. You know, instead of a noun, it's more of a verb. But what do you think, Lacey, when how society sees love? I want to kind of stay on your first point there for a second. Okay, sure. I like what you're saying about the, you know, active and passive. But I, I think it's interesting what you're saying, and I think it's, you know, in, in the things that I've read about love, uh, particularly, I really haven't heard this point about the confusion around the meaning of love. I think that's very true, but I haven't heard that pointed out very much. And I mean, if you look at like the way we use the word, it's very casually used. So it's easy to to point out examples like I love McDonald's. Okay, I don't love McDonald's, but I'm just like first thing that came to mind. Okay, um, or I love my dog, or I love my mom, or I love you, my partner. You know, those are very different um, implications of what that word means. So it's easy, I think, to see that that's actually a true statement. We don't really know what that means. I mean, we can. You know, there there could even be someone who says, I love to go see prostitutes. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. very different idea of love than I love my grandmother. <laughs> sure, sure. And it made me think, because you're just coming back from a country, obviously, where they speak Spanish. And I know you know this because we both are speak Spanish. There's different words in different cultures. Like in the English language, we say love, right? But in Spanish, they have multiple words yes. for love, like amar, querer. Uh-huh. Um, I know there's a few others I can't think, but what I'm saying is it's very limiting just to hear you say like, I love McDonald's. I love, you know, my brother. That's, they're very, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't sound appropriate to use it in each of those. It's not the same. And so that, I think that's challenging for us. Yeah. And I think at the same time, um, within a discussion of what love is, um, beyond like, you know, different objects of love. Like I love my grandmother. I love McDonald's. We, we talk, I think there is a confusion around what does that mean? What does it mean to say that I, uh, I love you, my friend, or I love, uh, my sister. What does love actually mean? I don't think we have a commonly held Mm-mm. definition on that. And I think that's a point she's making. And I, I see that as true because it's kind of hard to kind of put your finger on it, I think. Right, right. It, it is. And I, I will read to you now a definition from Eric Fromm, which is just fabulous um, that I would like to actually memorize and, and think about when I'm thinking of love. He defines mm-hmm. love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. which of course bell hooks is quoting in her book because she echoes uh, eric from and i think that's a mm-hmm. incredible um definition Say what do you think again. about when you hear that okay the will yeah. to extend oneself for the purpose mm-hmm. of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth mm-hmm. so i mean for me extending oneself they were talking about the self and then we're nurturing one's own, oneself, or another spiritual growth. I mean, I, I would have never come up with that definition. It's very <laughs> powerful. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that he says spiritual growth. Um, right. 
we both know um, that Eric Fromm was not a religious person in the typical sense. Yes. However, I think what he means by spiritual growth is like the growth of the of the individual, maybe mm -hmm. toward self-actualization, um, self-awareness, that kind of thing. Um, I like that he says extending oneself. Because mm -hmm. It implies that you're putting in some effort, you know? Yes, yes. And and it's to nurture, to uh, help one grow, to kind of support someone else. So it's, I don't know if anybody else hears this, but it, to me, it seems like it's not about the person who's giving the love. Like it's mm -hmm. not selfish in general. Like Right, right. I mean, that's, that's how I'm uh, defining it. To explain it further, he continues, love is as love does. Mm -hmm. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love. We choose to love. I love that. I mean, I love that statement that we choose mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And, and as you're saying, it's, it's an action. You know, it's acting upon that. So I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um, acting upon it. And that goes back to, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, the difference between it being a verb and a noun. So yes. let's, let's talk about that a little bit before we dive into, you know, kind of where the misconceptions are. Mm -hmm. We think of love as a thing, as something that we can possess, as something that we need to have and uh, something that's passive that we don't have to do anything. We just, show up at the right place at the right time and with the right guy or girl and bam, we're in love. <laughs> it's happening to us, you know? And in reality, uh, it's more of a verb. It's more of an action. It's more active. It's something that you choose to do uh, because you want to. And uh, it's not something just, just comes up and grabs you. Uh, it's something that you that you choose to engage in. Right. And I think you have to continuously be making that choice, right? It's not mm. that you arrive there and, oh, now this person or this situation, like I've, I've arrived, it's love. I, I, you know, I don't have to do anything anymore. I think it's a con it's a constant choice. And I think that's the issue we have is how do we teach that in society? Um, uh, the part I love in the book is, and I, you and I talked about this earlier, Lacey, is that we learn faulty definitions of love. For example, when we feel deeply drawn to someone, we mm -hmm. connect with him, with them, and I'll explain that. It means we invest feelings or emotions in them. So we infuse, um, we think of cathecting, which is a different word, one that I don't use often, cathecting with love. So when we have this emotional connection with someone, we're, we're thinking that's love. And I think we've all experienced that. Can you spell that word? Yeah, it's C-A-T-E, I'm sorry, C-A-T-H-E-C-T. Cathect, okay. Cathect. Yeah, this is a fascinating. I have never heard this word before. I hadn't, this book. hadn't either. And I think it's very true. I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of infatuation a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it, it's a little more precise in that it's saying, like, when we feel an emotional connection with someone, we can confuse that with love or being in love or, you know, mm -hmm. romantically, you know, fit, make being a good romantic fit with someone. 
And in reality, it sounds like what she's saying, we can connect with someone, but that doesn't mean we need to like date them or, you know, you know, we're not in love with them, basically. Right. And I'm going to throw some from in there in the uh, art of loving. He talks about also sexuality. And when you have a sexual connection with someone, you mistake that for love. Mm. And exactly what you're saying, Lacey, um, I'll go backwards here. I meant to say, yeah, we confuse. I said infuse. We confuse connecting with loving. That's mm -hmm. exactly correct. And that's really complicated, right? Yeah. Well, I think culture really tells us <laughs> all the romantic <laughs> comedies and stuff that if you have an emotional connection, especially with someone of the opposite sex, that, oh, maybe you're falling in love with them. Maybe, you know, well, not maybe you are falling in love with them or you're in love with them. And I really like this idea because I think the idea of cathecting and the difference between two, I think it's empowering. And I think it frees us because it helps us to realize like I can have an emotional connection with a guy or a girl and it doesn't have to mean that I'm in love with them and I need to date them. And in fact, it probably doesn't majority of the time because there are certain elements and certain things that we need to have present in the personality of someone that we are going to date. And just because we might connect with someone who doesn't have those characteristics. And so it's a dangerous place to get to where you're like, oh, I'm in love with someone, but wait a minute, they don't have the qualities that I need in a partner. No, absolutely. I, and again, I think we have to have examples of that in life, which probably a lot of us don't. And and you're you're right about the consumer culture of watching movies and different, you know, romantic uh, books that you think, okay, I meet someone. And this is the crazy thing about these stories is it'll show when the people get to that point, and then you don't hear anymore. Oh, they lived, they married, and live happily ever after. You don't you don't know about the rest of their life. It's just they <laughs> fell they fell in love. As if when you get married, that's the beginning of happiness. Right. Or, you know, you walk off in the same challenge. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't right. say marriage, but you have yes. this, uh, you know, this bond and then life is wonderful after that. And we all know that that's not, um, you know, that's not reality. Uh, and I think, again, you know, we're all going to draw from our personal experiences growing up and the examples that we see with other people. And I think you and I also talked about this. A lot of times people say, I love you. But then there's behavior that shows not loving behavior, you know, mm. abusive behavior or ignoring you or whatever. The, there's multiple levels of that, right, of dysfunction. And so right. then we start confusing, well, what is love really? Maybe this is love. You know, I'm supposed to be feeling bad with, with this person sometimes. But then they tell me they love me, you know, and it's so it messes you up, right? Confusing, mm -hmm. very confusing. And I think it even happens uh, unfortunately in the family unit as well yes. at yes. times because, you know, um, parents are all, all of us as all of us are just, are doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, unfortunately there's abuse happening. Mm -hmm. Abuse happens alongside the words, I love you. And yes. that can be very damaging and confusing. Absolutely. I think it's it's more common than we realize. And, and something that uh, Bell Hooks discusses in her book, which I never thought about, is she said we learn about caring. We don't learn about love. And I thought that's an interesting concept because obviously you could be cared for. You could be fed. 
you could be housed, but maybe you're not loved in the way that you need to be loved. It's a real interesting um, concept that you could be cared for, but not loved. And so yeah. she talks about her own path, her own journey about confronting lovelessness. And that was part of the healing process. And I was going to read to you something that she wrote that I thought was really cool. She says, um, I wanted to know love, but I was afraid to surrender and trust another person. Mm. I was afraid to be intimate. By choosing, in her case, she was choosing men who are not interested in being loving. I was able to practice giving love, but always within an unfulfilling context. Wow. Naturally, my need to receive love was not met. I got what I was accustomed to getting. Care and affection usually mingled with a degree of unkindness, neglect, and on some occasions, outright cruelty. Yeah. At times, I was unkind. It took me a long time to recognize that while I wanted to know love, I was afraid to be truly intimate. Mm. Many of us choose relationships of affection and care that will never become loving because they feel safer. The demands are not as intense as loving requires. The risk is not as great. That's pretty powerful. That speaks directly. Yeah, I think that speaks directly to what we were just mentioning too of um, how you can be raised in a home that's abusive and be told alongside, I love you. Mm -hmm. And not understand that abuse is actually not love, right? And then what are you going to end up doing when you start looking for love as, as an adult in a romantic relationship? You're going to, because that's what you're used to and what you're comfortable with, you're going to look for that. And that sounds like exactly what she did. Yes. And I'll tell you something that you're a big advocate of, and so am I, is she did therapy, mm -hmm. which we've talked about how important that is, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I think therapy is so awesome because it can help you get a different perspective than what you got growing up. And look, like I said, we're all imperfect. We're all doing the best we can. No parent is perfect. And I'd be willing to bet you that 99.9999999% of all of us <laughs> have grown up with some type of dysfunction in the home. Sure. Or some type of unhealthy relating that we saw. And so what's so great about therapy is that it can help you relearn what healthy is, what it looks like. And then you get the added benefit of like feeling how wonderful that feels instead of, you know, the confusion and the frustration and the depression really that goes along with like being in a relationship with somebody who's abusive to you. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think, um, obviously, you know, you and I agree that everybody could benefit from some therapy. What's interesting is how you brought up the movies and I was bringing up literature. One of the things she talks about, which I love, is that she's talking about how the books and all of this consumer, you know, the, the myths that we're told are popular. And you know why they're popular? Because it doesn't demand a change mm. in fixed ways of thinking mm. about gender roles, culture, or love. Is that awesome? Mm. That's what we want to people to rethink. Yes, yes. Well, and it it keeps people bound too. I mean, I think a little bit about women who are oppressed, and you know, these gender roles absolutely keep them in a place where they're, you know being used in some cases, being taken advantage of in some cases. So it's a it's very convenient for society as a whole and people who want to take advantage. Oh yeah. And that we've um discussed this I know at other times, but these roles are we play in society. 
we're sort of taught and it's reinforced. And so it's repeated. So I don't want to specifically call out men or women because I think both genders fall into that, mm -hmm. that we are part of the one, you know, patriarchy is the common word used um, today, but boys are taught at a young age not to show their feelings, not to be emotional. And so that side of them is pushed aside. And then women are taught a certain way to be, and that we're supposed to be passive and not speak our mind. And that, that just reinforces this whole story that doesn't work in relationships. What do you think the damage is for men particularly? Well, for all of us, um, that men or boys are not taught by our typical society that it's okay to have feelings, it's okay to feel, it's okay to communicate their feelings. What do you think are some of the damages that are caused by that? I think that damage is lack of honesty because we're thinking that the men are taught to be honest is kind of to be soft. And then it just, they're having to submerge their or repress their feelings. So they really can't show their vulnerability. Mm. And um, it's, it's hurts the family, you know, hurts, obviously the relationship hurts themselves because you've got to put on this mask of a person that, Maybe you're not, I mean, obviously we're not always strong. We have moments of that we need to be nurtured or right. be open to, you know, our partner or whatever. So it's, I think it's just damaging all around, you know? And of course that role that the man is playing is gonna be passed to the son and then right. passed down through the generations. And then of course, to uphold that role, then the female has to be a part in that story too, right? Right. Um, and so it's just, it, as a whole, it, it hurts society because it doesn't allow us to be, to me, like fully human. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of pulling you into be a certain way. I, I think it also um, makes for a lot of resentment because if, um, we have to repress our emotions. Um, then, then it it what typically ends up happening is we feel resentful about it, and then that can come out in a passive aggressive way or via anger. Maybe that's why we see, you know, anger issues um, with some men. That that's you know maybe it manifests itself uh -huh. that way. Who knows? Um, but I think that that's one of the most damaging. And then I think also what's damaging about that is, you know, it it prohibits a real genuine connection, real intimacy between the man and whoever he's relating to. Um, so, you know, you you I think and Frome would say this like this is the the whole one of the big problems of man is how can I get rid of the separateness that I'm feeling. I want to feel connected to other people. If we can't genuinely be who we are, uh, we're, we're never going to come overcome that separateness. And then we're going to run to other things to kind of fill that hole. There's two things I want to speak to that you just said, um, resentment and anger. So anger, I think a hundred percent that men Specifically, I'm not saying women don't feel anger, but I'm going to get to women. Yeah. Men feel anger. And what is happening, in my opinion, is they're angry when they're out in the workforce. They're angry maybe at their boss or they're angry at society. They don't maybe speak specifically to that. Or maybe they're angry at 
what they have to do. So where what do they do with that anger? They come back home. And they're the person that's going to feel the brunt of that anger, in my opinion, would be the family. Mm-hmm. Because that's the safer place, right? You can't right. go out in the workforce and be yelling at your boss every day. Mm-hmm. So, or just they're angry at the, the system. We know the economics of maybe the way we have to live. Um, right. Now, because they're supposed to be the provider. Okay, now the woman, in my opinion, is going to have resentment because women are taught to be passive and we're taught to be quiet and we're taught to be supportive. And that's why women suffer in higher degrees of for depression and autoimmune disorders because they are repressing. Yes. So I think both things you've touched upon that are very that all have to do with, you know, being something that you're not and it's. Mm damaging to everything around you, your, you know, society, your family. It's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a problem. You know, I'll say this, Sonia, like the more I've learned and the more I learn, the more I just want my goal in life is to be able to live genuinely like that. Like to be in a place where I can be completely honest and be, in healthy relationships and be with be in settings and situations and around other people who are doing that too. That I think is a quality of life. That's what I really want. I really well, you want. have touched upon something that Bell Hooks discusses, and that is speaking our truth. Hey. Something that I think is hard for a lot of people because it takes courage. Mm. But being open and honest about how you feel and being able to tell someone that, even when it's uncomfortable, right? Not not withholding, because withholding is like a form of lying. Um, and so I think that the mm. problem is that our car- culture teaches us to invest in a false self instead of a true self of being like what you're saying. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. I mean, that's what Fromm would say, too, I believe. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, yeah, I think that's... um you know, it's one of the things that we're battling against is being that vulnerability. And I know that, um, like I said, you probably have examples where you have to tell someone something. It's uncomfortable, but you're being honest about how you feel or whatever the experience is, right? And we're taught to kind of avoid that, wouldn't you say? 100%. I mean, I think I've spent a lot of my life avoiding difficult conversations. Or they don't even have to be difficult. They're just conversations in which I share my emotions or my needs. And I've grown to a place now to know how important that is. And it's important not only for me, but the other person, because it gives them an opportunity to know who I am and how they can relate to me as well. And so I think that is a pretty powerful thing. Um and it's unfortunate that we feel so, it's so intimidating. It feels very intimidating, I think, to a lot of people to, to be able to just be honest. Yeah, I uh, appreciate that you are working on that and that you are honest. That's, that's a rare quality. A lot of people uh, struggle with that. Um, but it's something I think that we have to work towards, you know, consistently. Um, I'm going to throw out a sentence to you and you tell me what you think about this because this is another part of uh, Bell Hook's book that aligns a lot from 
she says lovelessness is a boon to consumerism um mm. apparently consumerism media and advertising and consumer culture encourages lies uh so what do you what do you think about that i think that it's she's hitting the nail right on the head <laughs> i mean i've driven around and like seen billboards and like um advertisements on vehicles and i'm like that's a lie. Like, you know, we're man's best friend and, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, what are you? That's a lie. <laughs> so um, I think that's interesting. And I, and I think it's true that, um, you know, the more empty we feel, the more we maybe run to buying shit to try to feel better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, that we all we're all just so plugged into that world that you see something and of course that's what advertising is trying to sell you more of the oh, you're going to feel better when you have this or you're going to love is going to come in your life when you wear this perfume right, right. <laughs> and it's just interesting how we're so easily kind of taken in by that um i think it's just it just speaks to sort of our our the consumer culture that we've talked about a lot it, it's sad to me because it feels like it's all about taking advantage of of people, you know, right? Like taking advantage of the big hole that you're trying to fill because you don't have love or you don't know how to love yourself. And so then you feel the big hole, you feel, feel the big hole. And then you want to go fill the big, oh, hole. big hole. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. And it's, I mean, our, our advertising companies, like we all know that we're doing that. Right. And we're, we're easily influenced. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And then, you know, you've got the right music or you've got the right pictures. And um, what's sad is like the constant sort of searching for that. What you talked about earlier in the podcast about the alienation. So I think mm -hmm. to avoid that, people do look to fill their life with, things or um, whatever that could be, but that could be their entertainment, whatever that case is. Um, it's, it's a really interesting concept, one that I think we've all experienced for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it, it avoids looking at yourself, which I know we kind of talked about this before a bit, but the self-love part, that's another huge thing. Yes, yes. I think we'll do a whole episode on on self-love and maybe self-compassion. I think the right, thing that's right. hard about self-love is people tend to think that that's selfishness, Sonia. And I think she writes about that in, in the book. Yeah, she does say that um, when she tried to talk about this topic with her friends, they it was a difficult topic because it seemed uh, more narcissistic or like you're saying selfishness and it's interesting you know I, have you ever heard like where people do these affirmations and I've even read about and this is even with young people if you look in the mirror and someone has to say I love you I love you to yourself people mm -hmm. struggle with doing that mm -hmm. I mean that's amazing to me uh, but I can kind of relate because I think our culture has sort of taught us to be oh you're supposed to give 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 yeah, we haven't learned that you know you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else, right? I think we we mentioned this to you and I, maybe not on the podcast, but it reminds me of how they tell you if you're mm -hmm. on the airplane and the oxygen 
levels go down. Yes. Um, you have to put your own mask on first before you put it on a kid um, or anyone else's. And uh, the reality is like, if you're not taking care of yourself, yes, you can't take care of other people. Right. Um, something, a, a statement that she makes that I think I, I can even relate to this. And I would think that I, I thought I had sort of a healthy or self-esteem. She said the confusion arises because most people do not think they are lovable. Oh, Isn't that interesting? oh my God. Oh my God. What do you think? I mean, have you had moments in your life, Sonia, where you could relate to that? Oh, of course. Of course. Because you're like, I'm not good enough. Or you have, I don't know, your own issues that we all carry or whatever. You know, it's like we put up this idea of what we should be. I don't know. I mean, I have had moments of feeling like that. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. why am I, why am I any better? Like, it's kind of like that special thing. Like I think, well, you know, there's people doing better or being better. How am I, which I know when I break it down intellectually, I understand it, but emotionally it's hard to sort yeah. of accept that. Right. Right. And I mean, we have not been taught or modeled in our society how to do that. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, you know, I think culture has taught us how to beat ourselves up in order to get where we want to be. And in reality, that doesn't really get us very far other than mm -hmm. just frustration and internal, like turning anger against yourself. Really, that's self-hatred. And that doesn't help. Um, you know, Fromm talks a little bit about self-love and the art of loving, which I think we will dive more into on a later mm -hmm. date. But he he mentions that you know, we love others in the same way that we love ourselves. Our capacity to love an object is the same, whether that object is outside of us or ourselves. And so how uh, we love ourselves is the same as how we're going to love other people. And what that means is we have to start from a foundation of loving ourselves. Instead, it's not like I can be like, damn it, Lacey, you're so stupid. And then I'll be like, Sonia, you're so great. Right, I, mean, right. I might be able to do that for a minute, but that's not going to, that's not sustainable. And it's actually not from a genuine place from me. It may be from a place of like, oh, maybe Sonia will affirm me because I feel mm -hmm. horrible. And I just gave her a compliment. <laughs> so maybe she'll tell <laughs> me that I'm great too, you know? Um, but but what when we're really loving and we're really functioning out of love, we love ourselves. And then out of that place, it flows onto other people as well. Good point. Um, the other part she kind of, and I love what you're saying, and I know we have men and women listening to our podcast, but one of the things she touches upon, and I think men struggle with it too, is also your image, self-image. Like mm. for the longest time, she said she struggled with her body. So there was that part to say, I'm not lovable. And we are really sold that big time in our culture which is so sad, you know, and, and also we talk about this, like your status, like how much money do you make? You know, where do you live? Like all these points that we're supposed to aspire to, to make us lovable. Right. As opposed right. to we are lovable who we are right now, you know? Yes. I have certainly struggled with that one since I've been out of the gym since the campaign and then, you know, <laughs> then being sick and then the lockdown and, you know, what have you. So I get that. That one is what I'm working on myself right now. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like, I'm acceptable just the way I am. 
Um, but mm -hmm. our culture makes it really difficult to 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 feel that just very naturally. Exactly, and that's uh, that's why it's going to be awesome to talk about the self love because we can really dive deep into that. But I think I think it's a concept that pretty much everybody can relate to. Yes, um, and. What you said, Lacey, I love it, is how do you love others if you don't start at a place of of loving yourself? It's um, mm -hmm. it's not gonna be as healthy and as positive as it can be because you really need to create that place in yourself to be able even to give to others, right? Right, right. And I've noticed as I've learned that skill more, learning, you know, the skill of loving myself, I've been happier, I've been kinder, I've been good, you know, better to other people, it's been easier for me to be good to other people. And so I think it's probably one of the most worthwhile things to invest your time in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a broad concept when we think, uh, think about love. And it's something kind of, I, I like the idea of constantly, you know, choosing love. I, I just like that idea as opposed to thinking, oh, I reached love. I, I now have it all figured out. You know, I yeah. think it's definitely something we as individuals and as a society and culture have to do better with and have to teach, you know, children. I mean, they are going to learn from what we're doing, what love really is. That's right. I also like, I think we mentioned this in the last episode on love that we did just me and you, but I think I love this point that Frome makes about it, that it's really the most important thing to us as a human, as a human species, as the human species love. However, we don't um, prioritize it in the day on a daily basis when it mm -hmm. comes to the way our society is built we don't make time for it um everything else is more important right that's one of right. the quotes that we've shared clips from that episode and um this is where i you know push for some changes to way to the ways that we do life because arguably i think we're going to continue to see our mental health our emotional health our overall quality of life, our well-being continue to just decline if that's mm -hmm. not something that we have room for. Mm -hmm. We all need it. I mean, that's what we all yeah. want. I, I think behind everything, you're right. Um, we don't acknowledge, in my mind, the importance of love. Mm. We just don't. And so mm. everything really that drives us, ultimately, I believe, is love. We're, we're searching for love. Um, yeah. may not know that we might may not have that awareness but ultimately that's what we're looking for um mm. and i think that's where from is awesome mm. and obviously that's what attracted me to bell hooks books because the title is all about love you know so great wow i mean there's some <laughs> amazing stuff in this book bell hooks absolutely yeah she's got some no matter where you uh fall on the spectrum of what your beliefs are um, it's a good one to check out because she just hits a lot of the points that Lacey and I constantly discuss. And I love the fact she quotes Eric from every time I'm reading something they quote Eric from, I'm like, yes, he's a good <laughs> author. <laughs> Yay. I know I get excited too. I think he's underrated for sure. And part of why I'm a huge fan, but also part of why we're doing the podcast, right? Cause, um, 
he's just man. Can he please come back from the dead so I can date him? Not kidding. <laughs> I've said we that. know what you yeah that, that's I where do. you're going. <laughs> right, right. I know. Anyways, well, this is good, Sonia. This is really good. Thank you. Um, I'm excited about this. Hopefully, um, we'll get to dive a little bit more into her book before this month is over. I know it's the 20th or around, but mm -hmm. hey, we can do some more episodes. We can do some more love episodes because yeah. it's a popular theme. And I'm so happy you were able to do this, Lacey, with COVID. And we're, yeah. we're all going to be thinking about you and sending your positive energy and Thank love. <laughs> Yay, and love. I'm going to feel it. It'll be great. Um, and yeah, I'm sure in a week I'll be much better. And by the time we have Amelia Pang on, on March 5th, I'll be choo, really oh, yeah. super I'll be awesome. excited. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, of course, I have not touched the quiet punch since I've been home because I haven't felt good. It's there waiting for you. It's waiting for me and it can be waiting for you. If you're <laughs> interested, you can go to quietpunch.com. And uh, if you decide to, to buy one, type in Rethinking Humanity uh, at checkout and that'll give you 10% off. It'll give us a little bit of support and that'll be amazing. And you, I'm sure, will start, you know, enjoying yourself when your workouts at home and losing weight and be like, wow, this was a good, this was a good purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Self-care. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, guys, uh, let us know uh, any thoughts on this episode, any requests for further topics. We have an email address. It's rethinkinghumanitypodcast at gmail.com. So shoot us a message. We really would like, I would be so excited to hear from you. <laughs> I'd be like, Sonia, we got an email. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so please send us, send us an email. We love hearing from you. Um, yay. It was All right, fun. guys. Thanks, yes, it was everybody. Fun. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. And we'll be in touch soon. <laughs>